Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who is always at my side, Hostway. I'm calling it, and my side reads of the year, I made it to 152 books, technically. I did do my 100 books, 105 technically, but all my little multiplayers, I got to 152, and I'm actually pretty proud of that number. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, because we're talking trades, we're not talking issues. So, right, these are just my side reads. Yeah, and like not new comic book days stuff. Just not even including adding like the five per or whichever trades we finished along the way. Just yeah. stuff I purchased on the side that I need to read, or else it's just going <laughs> to keep piling up forever. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, well, as always, we are here to talk about comics, but we do quickly talk about a little bit of news. This is going to be kind of, it might be a pretty short show, uh, because honestly, it was a small comic book week. Yeah. But we do have a little bit of news, not a ton. As always, we do start with the non-Marvel, non-DC news. And I got three things. First of all, CBR has revealed an exclusive reveal of new Archie characters. Oh, cool. And it is a new badass all girl band it's actually new not new archie characters um it's actually uh it's a band with betty and veronica in it mm-hmm. but they add a new character that is a drummer so there is a new character mm-hmm. and her name is jola kit and i like her already i'm sending you the art right now uh so that's gonna be debuting in the upcoming anthology special nice. betty and veronica friends forever rock and roll and yeah, I'm here for this. <laughs> I have a weakness for Archie comics. I've always found them really charming. And if I get yeah. one, I'll read it over and over. I really enjoy it. So she's definitely, I, I do like her, her, her edge to into the Archie fold. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely adds a bit, bit something, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. <laughs> really cool. Next up, two things that I just absolutely love. The first one, if anyone, I, I don't remember this, remember this, because it came out the year I was born. <laughs> but way back in the 80s, there was a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it, it was great. It was hilarious. It was bad in a good way and good in a bad way. And it was amazing. Well, they are bringing back that storyline as Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures as a four-issue miniseries being published by IDW. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. It's, <laughs> it was I can't express to you how ridiculous this show was. This is what you meant pre-show. <laughs> no, it's not, actually. There's something even bigger than that in a moment. So this, no, because you'll care about this, and I'll tell you why. It's going to be co-written by David M. Boer. Oh, what? That's awesome. And, and Sam Maggs. Two people we really like with artwork by one of my growing MVPs of the comic book world, George Comadeus. So, yeah, I'm here for this. It's very exciting. So I had a huge crush on, uh, oh, God, what was her name? Um, Was was it Diana? I think it was Diana. She's a redhead. She's really cute. (laughs) So, uh, or Sheila. No, Sheila. I think Sheila was the thief chick. Yeah. Anyways, he had a huge crush on her. When I watched it later on, but yeah, the, what a great team, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I love solid. Sam Mags. I obviously love Boer and Comedius. Just impresses more and more. So, very excited about that. But no, I did tease Josue that I literally learned something as we were about to start that has me so excited. This isn't actually about a comic book. Um, there is a manga that I am the biggest fan of. There's not a pl- person 
on the planet that likes this manga more than me. Or it, um, there's not a person in this country that's a bigger <laughs> fan of this than I am. Um, and that is City Hunter. Right. I, I love City Hunter. Well, it has been announced that City Hunter is going to receive a live action adaptation. Now, Ooh. me being a very intelligent City Hunter fan knows there has already been a live action City Hunter. It starred Jackie Chan and it was amazing. But we are going to be getting one. Now, here's the key. It's it's going to be made by Netflix. Now, now I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. But it's an entire Japanese cast. Nice. Solid. And it's set in Let Japan. Let me start. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I really like it. It's 80s as hell is one of the things I love about City Hunter. So right. if you want to scroll about halfway down this article I just sent you, you get an idea of what the main character is going to look like. And I'll just oh, tell nice. you, he's perfect looking. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he is. I, I remember when, when we first started podcasting, you shouted this out as one of your like hidden gem favorites. And then there's like a, one of the few like um, movie rental spots in the world, basically. And we, we have one here in PDX, um, Movie Madness. I remember I sent you, they had like the box set DVD that mm-hmm. you can just rent it out if you want to watch it. And it's like... I'm curious to actually like uh, dive into this too. You should totally watch it. It's it's very noir, but with a comedy mm-hmm. edge. Um, I re- always recommend it to fit people who like Bebop. Um, yeah. Because it's kind of a similar feel. Um, the main character is like the most badass detective of all detectives. But he falls to paces around pretty girls. Basically, that's the whole thing. <laughs> and his assistant is a pretty girl who is the daughter of his old partner, that he's sworn he would not have sexual relations with. And so they have this like bickering thing going back and forth. It's fantastic. I loved it. Uh, I, I've watched every animated movie. I've watched the live action movie with Jackie Chan, which has some very funny delivery in it, by the way. And um, yeah, and then just seeing this guy, I'm like, yes, 100% being catchy too. Yes. Yeah. Might be on the jukebox one. Ooh, I was just thinking, I was just <laughs> so yeah, I'm so excited about this. I don't care if it's Netflix. I don't. Quibi could be making this, and I'd still be excited. Mm-hmm. Quibi doesn't exist anymore. So uh, next up, I got two things. The, these are news, but it's about a book we're going to talk about later. But I want to shout out these specific things. Um, as part of Dark Crisis, DC has released an issue called The Big Bang, which I'm going to talk about when we talk about DC books later. But one of the things they did is they showed the new multiverse. And they confirmed some of these worlds are actually part of the DC multiverse, and there's some really cool ones in there. But the two I really want to shout out is, first of all, the Amalgam Universe was there, the one they share with Marvel. Yeah. Which was really interesting. I thought that was kind of a cool because they don't actually own those characters um, like fully. Marvel half shares, right? Mm-hmm. But the other one is, is that they revealed Christopher Reeve's Superman and Michael Keaton's Batman are in the same Earth. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Superman 78, Batman 89 are on mm-hmm. the same planet, which is really cool. I really like that. Nice. So. Well, I'll talk more about that when we get into the book itself, but I just want to shout those It's out, funny because so. the... Um, um, Friend of the show, uh, Chris Franey, just almost like caught that on Marvel, uh, Moreland caught Moreland basically. Uh, there's like a, a dismembered arm that is the the Spider Boy, the Super Spider Boy amalgam arm, basically. So it's curious that they're both like kind of running it right now. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, um, 
CBR had an exclusive interview with Wills Patracio about Bishop, the combo character he helped co-create. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a big Bishop fan. I'm a big Wills Patracio fan. There's a lot of reasons I really like to this. And he talked about the thought process of creating Bishop. And he said the editor, Bob Harris, was basically all he said, create a badass new X-Men like Wolverine. That's all he told him. Just like Wolverine, yeah. basically. And so he he actually kind of based it on Conan, of all things, being born on a battlefield. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, that's really dope, actually. And yeah, he goes into more detail about it. Um, and they do tease the upcoming X-Men Legends run, which Wilson is coming back. It's the next issue. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be writing Bishop again, which I'm very excited about. I love Will's Patricio. So that's cool. Uh, that's going to be very cool. So uh, next up, pick in this one. Okay. Um, now we've been seeing the tease about Red Goblin for uh, Dark Web. Right. And I was trying to put together who each person was, and Red Goblin was a big question mark. Mm-hmm. We do know who Red Goblin is now. Yes. And it's Normie Osborne. <laughs> yep, that's happening again. Which can this poor kid catch a break? Like Jesus Christ! Like, <sighs> yeah, I mean, not every Osborn has to be a Goblin legacy. And I love the idea that Norman has to save his grandson. If that, which, which he does love, he does want to where, where he knows where he fucked up with Harry as much as he did love him for all of his flaws. He doesn't want to do any of that with Normie. But it yeah, and I think that's the most compelling direction they can go with Norman. Yes, so absolutely. I do like that. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, we got a teaser of the Sins of Sinister. We got a trailer for it. And it's very interesting. Uh, so basically, um, obviously, it's a complete transformation of the Marvel Universe. And um, w- one of the things that Kieran Gillen said, it makes the Age of Apocalypse look like the swimsuit special. <laughs> and I'm like, oof. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, check out the trailer a lot because you can you guys can pick it apart yourself and stuff like that. Um, there are chimeric characters, chimeras introduced, mm-hmm. including one that looks to be Beast and Colossus together, one that looks to be Angel and Jean Grey, and one that looks like Nightcrawler and Spider Man. So oh, aside from the Nightcrawler and like from the Nightcrawler Wolverine ones, yeah, I I mean Nightcrawler would be a popular one to combine because he could teleport oh, anywhere, you know, so. Yeah, so check that out. The trailer's pretty cool. It is on CPR as well. So, Next thing. Earth's Mightiest Heroes will have to face the Beyonder soon in Avengers Beyond. Um, it's going to be a new five-issue miniseries uh, from Derek Land and Greg Land. Or Derek Landy and Greg Land. Um, okay. And it's going to spin out of All Out Avengers. Uh, which is really cool because we just saw the Beyonder in Defenders. So they're bringing him back and it does look like they're going to show down with him. It's always a fun character, to, you know, for them to face. So I'm I'm here for that. Um, and the big news, or not the big news, but the interesting cryptic news. Ooh, is it? It might be. We're getting a tease that, and I think I saw you reply to this actually. Legendary artist Greg Capullo, yes, yes. tweeted, "I'm about to marvel up." Cool with that. <laughs> And then Josue is like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> and so, no, I think he just replied bro or something like that. <laughs> it's just, uh, please, it's about time. It's about fucking time. But I don't know if you caught this part. The next day, Donnie Cates mm-hmm. quote tweeted it 
with a GIF image of actor Tom Cruise, Maverick from Top Gun, one where the high flying pilot smiles and puts on a pair of aviator glasses. <laughs> so it's being taken as they're teasing a Donny Cates, Greg Capullo book team up. Which is like the most obvious choice, like not even for Donnie, but for Capullo. Like, who would he work with? Like, yeah, God, I, I love how it's just like it's instantly been pointing fingers, fingers been pointing towards uh, Donny Cates. Oh, that's insane. Um, though it could not be, but that's, I, I mean, it would be a very, very fun, fun fucking book. He did leave Hulk. Mm hmm. And he's kind of left Thor. He's on a on little break, yeah. And Probably he did say he did tweet, "I've been working on a major background thing. That's something insane." Like, who could be his next project? Not even for even for him, but like, what does Marvel have yet to put out or moving forward with that we could that we need a a Donny a Donny Cates and Capullo touch? You know what book we don't have right now? Mm. Guardians of the Galaxy. But he already he already did that. Yeah, but did he do it with Greg Capullo? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I don't know, man. Like uh, there's a lot of directions we don't know yet. It's mm-hmm. all speculation. Um, I wouldn't hate if they just did Guardians because I hate that there's not a Guardians book. There should always be a Guardians book, right? It's way too popular now. Um, especially with that lead up for like that third one. Like, how could they not get something going? Leave, like if Marvel's gonna leave off a trilogy like a, a, such a popular trilogy like that, which was like their like yeah. biggest gamble. My other thing is thinking of like what long runs on books might wrap up soon, and my mm-hmm. thought is Avengers. Donny Cates on Donny Cates, yeah, Donny Cates has not done a team book really, and I mean it's it's kind of been going a while. Like I like Avengers, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's time for another big shakeup in Avengers. Cause oh, yeah. to be honest, I don't buy it on a regular basis. I don't either. So yeah. Interesting stuff. I, I think I did see that when he does, as he's transitioning over, there'll be, um, he's doing cover covers at first, but then it'll be that, that big book announcement. Yeah, exactly. So really interesting. Um, the final thing that I want to talk about is the big release of the week. At least for us. Josue, what did we think of the Spider-Verse trailer? Very promising. Um, I really liked it because one of the things that I didn't like from his initial run was that his mom died way too soon. And then it was um, Secret Wars. Like, literally kind of right. Almost a little after that. Um and in this in this case, I kind of forgot I kind of forgot that it was like his dad that died. So it was like the, the speech when the speech was heating uh was it was, it was it hits very hard um but i love that the mom will be very important in this one at least i hope so because she was gone way too soon and i'm glad that she they with like the the reset for secret wars that she stayed around in the comics because that shouldn't have happened yeah um obviously 2099 being front and center the entire time is amazing oh he looks so stocky like his yeah. build looks so good good voice for him mm-hmm um, I love, like, I, I saw before that people were picking apart the trailer to find every little Spider-Man they could, and I'm like, yeah. that's weird. Now I want to do it. Now that I watched <laughs> it, I'm like, oh my god. Like, uh, fucking Bagman was there, yep. the Spider-Man with the bag on his head. Uh, like, I also love that 2099 seems to glitch. 
mm-hmm. because he's cyberpunk and i really dig that yeah. like i thought that was really cool i just love it it's just it's gonna be so much fun <sighs> gonna be great I, i'm very excited so yeah, yeah. So, and the cool okay. intro with his mom was really good too it was really good and i love how it yeah. just like it cuts so the cut in the trailer was really good yeah yeah so we're very excited about that. Uh, anything else you can think of off the top of your head before we move on? Um, I thought you were going to pair them together, but apparently Netflix also announced the My Hero live action. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, you didn't see that one? Like, that's, that was, um, I, I didn't know about the other one, the one that you said. Uh, but so I thought we, I thought you were going to shout out the My Hero right after. But apparently, oh. yeah. What? <laughs> which, which, I know. Which that Why? one seems like seems like would be like the the easiest one to not mess up. Oh no, that'd be the easiest one to screw up. <laughs> too many people love it way too much. I mean, but I mean, so did Cowboy Bebop, and look where that went. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why it would be very easy to screw it up. Like one little change, like oof. We'll see. So awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about comics and get this yes. shit over. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm very excited because though we don't have a ton of books, we have some in very important books to the life of this show this mm-hmm. week <laughs> so we are going to go ahead and start talking about comics and when we do we start off with a boom boom studios three books this week first of all talked about them earlier specs number two written by david and Boer, illustrated by chris sheehan colored by roman stevens and lettered by jim campbell can i just say again the fact that david Boer and chris sheehan are making a book together is just amazing by itself oh, fuck um, yeah like arguably one of my favorite no not arguably definitely one of my favorite comic book writers and one of my favorite comic book artists are, ma- are making a book together i love that mm-hmm. um I-, I really enjoyed this book um it is continuing from the story in the past where they have the wish granting glasses um they made the kid disappear in the last issue and they're kind of dealing with the fallout of it uh it does lean a lot more into the the themes of the inequality and the injustice and you know how the the one kid who's black is automatically assumed to be more guilty and is treated a completely different way. And they make a big spectacle out of his arrest and yeah, it's, spectacle. it's, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's a mess. And then the, the white kid who is being treated better, but how would they treat him if they knew he was gay? You know what I mean? Like that's also part of it. And it's kind of like, it's really interesting to to look into it this way. And also threading their friendship, threading the relationship with them where, you know, he doesn't want to tell his friend he's gay and that's all going on at the same time. And the mysticalness of the wishes and what can the specs do? What did, and I love the bit where he said, we never found out if they worked Mm -hmm. like, like that was interesting because it's like, okay, that's not the direction we're going. It's telling you we're going in different directions. Don't expect that. And so I was like, I thought that was really cool. I really, really enjoyed this book. What did you think? Um, I re- I really like it for like even for like it's time for like the times like yeah what would they think of him like what would they think of him then if they found out he was gay but it's just like uh I just like I don't like but it's just like but it's like it's, it's serving the purpose well the the story well where he's like where he's just too oblivious to like catch like the obvious racism towards his, like his best friend where he's like oh let's just do this and his yeah. friend is kind of like well no because well you just wouldn't fucking get it is it just leads to that and it's like. Uh, just like it's like <laughs> I really I really like these two kids together. I'm just like and like how the fuck is this gonna work out now that these specs are like maybe now playing into like a monkey's paw scenario, right? With like these certain twists, like did the wish back work? And like maybe uh, just, <laughs> just we'll see we'll see because yeah. um 
it's very interesting. Um, a very good. It's a solid thriller so far for two issues. Yeah, really great. I'm I'm digging it. It's a unique premise. It's mm-hmm. you know, what if this? You know, and it's a cool setup. And I like the the time it's placed in. I think that makes it work. Yes. And yeah, just two very likable kids with two very similar but also very different problems situations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think it's really cool. So awesome. All right. Uh, next up, Grim number two, six. Or six. What? Oh, I was staring. I was staring at specs while I was oh, saying okay. it. So, grab number six. I had to go with a variant. Which one was it? Oh, nice, nice. I love it. Yeah, it's the. Is it Florentino? Yeah, I think it's the Florentino. Yeah, Justine Florentino one. Yeah, so. Written by Stephanie Phillips, illustrated by Flaviano, colored by Rico Renzi, and lettered by Tom Napolitano. Um. It does feel like, you know, a new arc, essentially. Um, and it's kind of cool because the previous arc essentially ended on the climax, you know? And then it's <laughs> like, now we're in the aftermath, and the aftermath is its own arc. Um, and I really enjoy it. And there's like this whole new thing that's going on that's definitely creepy. And, of course, it's at a music festival, which you and me were probably both like, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so I really like the dread. I like the mystery of it. I like where it's going. I also cannot help but absolutely adore the introduction of the fates. Yes. Uh, they so are crazy. fabulous. Yeah. So I really liked it. Uh, what did you think? Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hooked again. Um, I was wondering where this is going to go because it wasn't a mini, but like did definitely with like, with like the, the climax. I didn't know, didn't anticipate where we're going to, where we're going to go after this. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was such a good, um, such a good uh, moment to just like take a step back or just like even stop for a second and just like let it ride. Like they got punished. So let's just figure out where the next, what the next, uh, what the next front step should be. Um, but yeah, the fucking fates and oh God, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> yeah. I really like it. Especially when it's like, Oh, you're not supposed to smoke here. It's like, I, the, the, his emphasis, like his demeanor is like, I, I can fucking smoke here, bitch. It's I like, Oh, wherever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> And then to yeah. meet up with the fates, it's like, mm, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm Grim is awesome, yeah. <laughs> and it has a pretty ominous last moment where it brings yes. into call of like something's wrong, something's broken. Essentially, I'm trying not to directly spoil what happened because it is literally the surprise last page, right? But something fundamentally is wrong with the way things are working. Is what I'll say. <laughs> so uh, I really liked it. I thought it was great. So. Awesome. Next up, our final boom book of the week is Wind, The Throne in the Sky, number five. Book! The finale. Um, so I told this way already, but I got this so Virgin Dionelis cover. Uh, because literally, Samurai sold out. Oh, shit. And I went to Greg's, and he every single copy he had was damaged except this one. So he had to return them all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'll buy a damaged one. And he's like, well, I got this variant. And I'm like, I looked at at the price. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get that. So (laughs) yeah, I ended up picking that one up. So it's going to go in a bag when we're done talking. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. I mean, what do you say? It all comes together. All the groups are coming together on the top of the mountain. And it's, it just, it's, I I remember this now. When I was reading it, I thought, my first comment is, this is the Empire Strikes Back of Wind Books. Because it ends on a pretty terrible note. 
pretty sad note and it sets up the future of what will hopefully be a good book but i mean jedi is debatable if it's good or not depending <laughs> on who you are so we'll see i think it'll be better than return of the jedi it's my review <laughs> so um but i really liked it i, I liked a thorn seeing his father again and the fact there's something different there now oh that fucking scene killed me yeah how the dad like still loves him but also there's something wrong and like it's really interesting i really liked it titus coming back and seeing the kids was so sweet yes but we have to talk about my boy strawberry um like he's not dead right (laughs) like like right i'm sure he's fine right because he is the best part of this book (laughs) i mean he's fine because we still end in the same scene and there's no one to take care of them except for strawberry because he knows the way i mean everybody made it there too but (laughs) you're talking yourself out of it (laughs) no no because like everybody used up their their resources to get there and the only person to get the resources right now would be strawberry so he's fine he's fine they they also went out of their way to point out the spritles in his beard oh my god yes that's right there you go so Maybe they'll crawl out and be like, heel, heel, heel. <laughs> like, so, hopefully. Hopefully so. <sighs> Great stuff. Anything you want to add about when before we move on? Yeah, it's just like, I, I love how much is just packed in each issue where it's just like, we were wondering, it's like, well, we just got here. There's still so much to be to be told. And it's like, and it's, it's totally fine. Obviously, there's, there's going to be more. But oh my God, does like, does everything just happen here? It's just like, it's, it's fucking great. Um, I, I I love wind. I love wind so much. I want I want to talk about everything, and it's like, but it's like I need people to be reading this so we so we can all be be sharing and talking about it because it is just fucking fantastic. It is just one of the best books out there. Yeah, definitely, it's so good. All right, that brings us on to our second of four count of four publishers today. Uh, we're gonna talk about Image Comics. Uh, first off, I'm gonna start with three keys, number three, and I will be quick. Um, this is the one with the girls who have the like Catman sidekick or uh, bodyguards. Um, created, written, drawn by David Messina, colors by David Messina and Alessandra Alexis, Alexicus, sorry, and letters by Sean Lee. Um, this was a really cool issue because there's a lot of really crazy shit going on in this one with some cool character design, like this thing. Oh, nice. And then, like, you can see this dude's just completely disemboweled. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, just like some of the creature design is here's a front shot of her if you want to see that. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but it's basically like again, their whole thing is they're fighting Cthulhu and they end up entering a portal which ends up being the the arteries of Yog Sothoth. So it's just literally like they're just going through his arteries. It's completely like fucked up and they feel awful. They find um, they find one of the other bodyguards is what I'll say, and they're trying to help save him. And they get confronted by these dudes who are just ominous as hell looking. <laughs> I love them. Oh my god! And she takes them down like nothing, basically, including this awesome shot where she takes his head off. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, the action's really great in this book. Um, and then we see 
remember there's three keys there's three girls right mm-hmm. and we know they're the one of the keys because they're holding one of these swords that look kind of like a buster sword um but this is our final page reveal holy shit wow yeah yeah a very bunny mask vibe right very <laughs> I was, yeah i was like but i really like it three keys has been a lot of fun um so that's no issue three i'm not sure how long that's gonna go i think it feels like a mini because of the pace it's going Mm-hmm. But uh, I wouldn't be upset if it kept going. So, all right, now we're gonna kick it to Jose for his solo book that I forgot to pick up, which is Two Graves Two. Uh, okay, uh, so Two Graves Two, story by um, Genevieve Valentine, art by Annie Wu, and uh, colors by Lee Luffridge, and lettering by Edita Bidikar. Uh, so I'll be brief because I do want you to read this. You are gonna read this, but it's just it's really good. It's not just like your next chapter and let's let it build. You do get kind of answers like, um, Oh, good. You, um, you find out who those three are, like the, the cliffhanger at the end of the first one, they come into play and that gets, exp- that gets explained, but we get to play with more with the, the, the ghost passenger. And it's kind of like, who he's not necessarily invisible. It's more like, a. it's like, there is something there. Like, just because like she can see it, other people can too. Other people can too. It's like we just choose not to. It's just more of like a blur that happens. And as soon as you register logic, your brain, your, my, your, your brain protects you. Basically, yeah. Because there's these two. There's these two scenes where, um, the they go in a diner and the waitress walk, welcomes them in. And when she looks up, be like, "Oh shit! I'm sorry. I thought we were with someone." And and then she and then she questions him. Um, and he kind of says that like, they just choose not to see me. And then later at night, when they check in in a motel, um, the clerk is just like, oh, "I want your deposit back. Just make sure to tell your boyfriend not to slam the door." So he saw a figure. Obviously, he didn't go inside, but he saw something, someone outside, and just made that comment. And she just replies, "Yeah, I'll be sure to tell him." So just for like an alibi. So there's like these rules being established in this issue. And then we and then we confront those three, and then at that point, I won't tell you like who who they are because like it does yeah. actually get answered, and then the fucking next mystery gets 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 uh, put into play. So I'm really excited for for, for your review for this one because it is really cool. Nice, yeah, I like that. I didn't see them, kind of thing, or I saw them, but my brain protects me from seeing them because exactly. my brain can't handle it. Exactly, um, that's very much a uh, highlight of Terry Pratchett work a lot. Oh, nice. Uh, where he basically is like, they, they saw him, like, especially with uh, things surrounding his version of death. And it's like, they saw him, but their brain could not possibly comprehend what they saw. So they just kind of like papered over it. Basically, they're like, nope. <laughs> like, their brain is like, no, you don't, <laughs> basically. So I, a, I really like that. That's cool. On a sillier book, but the dark comedy, um, one I really liked is uh, John Dies at the End also has like a, a similar play with those rules, too. Nice cool all right next up is hell to pay two and i begging you people to get on on this book early because this is going to be huge um this is the shrouded college book one this is the one i told you about they have plans for multiple stories okay yeah written by charles soul art by will sliney colors by rochelle rosenberg and letter by chris crank so you have these two people who are basically horrifically injured in a car accident and the shrouded college offers to restore you know what's wrong with her body uh which is like her face got all messed up and i think she was blind and he i think he lost his legs they're basically like we'll heal you to perfection you'll be fine but you work for us 
and you ha- you have to do this mission, which is to gather these coins that escape from hell. If you have one of these coins, you can ask for a favor from a demon, per- period. So uh, this couple's doing this. They're on the last coin because uh, there's 666 of them and they've been counting. That's right. And on the last coin, and they're happy because they're not allowed to have children while they work for them, and she's pregnant, and no one knows yet. So they're like, all right, we'll get the last coin. They break in, and they find two. That happened in the last issue. They're like, wait, uh-huh. why is there two? Why does this one look a little different? And then this is where we're... Basically, they go back to the, the Shroud of College. They're like, hey, by the way, you know, this... Uh, we found an extra one. They're like, well, there's more out there. We got to figure out how many more. And they're like, no, that's not our job. And they're like... Basically, we're not releasing you until you do that. So they're up against this time limit of her becoming visibly pregnant. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it also features another, like, because I think the first issue did this, if I remember correctly, a flashback to someone using the coins and see how much of an impact they have. This dude, back in, I want to say, puritanical times, because he's, uh, it was Amsterdam 1624. He's basically like, I want money. And the demon's like, that's really unimaginative. <laughs> And he's like, how about I make you a company and people will invest in the company, which will cause your ownership stakes. And basically, the demon invents the stock market to give this guy money. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, think big, think bigger, bro. Think big, think, think stocks, think, think generational wealth bigger. <laughs> it's like, Jesus yeah. Christ, let me help you out here. But he's just basically like, your stock will keep going up and people will pay more. And he's just like, the guy goes, but the company would not be real. That's a lie. He's like, correct. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> basically like, you know, this actually could become quite common. One might envision an entire market driven by whimsy and greed with Jeez. a little correlation to the actual value of the companies being traded at all. And I'm like, do you get it yet? <laughs> like, and I love it. <laughs> so there's also a great part where the demon says, it says something about my integrity as a demonic envoy of hell. And the guy's like, there's a phrase. <laughs> I was like, yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> like the guy agrees. Anyways. So back to the main story. Um, they have to figure out what happened with these coins and they have to go to the person who caused the original batch of coins to get out, who is actually being captured. Um, his name is Alex. And this is Alex. Alex is in a cage and on fire. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they, they're like, he's like, oh, they didn't tell him right away. Hey, we got all your coins because he gets freed once they give him the final coin. But they're like, hey, we need to find these other coins. Tell us about it. He gives them a lead. They go to lead. It's to a Mexican prison. I'm not going to go blow by blow, but it's a really cool scene. Lots of great action. Um, but in the end, they find out there are more coins out there. And um, they go back. And they tell Alex, hey, we actually have your last coin, but we're not going to give it to you until we finish our own mission. Hmm. And he's all upset and everything. And he's just like, you know, um, basically says, uh, what was it? He says, uh, you made a choice and, you know, you could have set me free. You were not my friends, but now you're my enemies. And And if history teaches any lesson, it is this. Do not make an enemy of Alexander the Great. Get the fuck out. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm like, bro. <laughs> like immediately I was like, yes. So I'm here for it. Good shit. Good shit. And if they have more stories in this universe planned, I'm here for this shit. Like I'm very, very I love this. It's so good. So all right. Next up. Gospel two. Did you pick up gospel two? Yes. Good, good, good. 
uh, by Will Morris. <laughs> he does everything. Uh, colors by Holly McKinn, though. Okay. Uh, I really liked this issue. As much as I really... I did like the first issue. This one's the one that hooked me. And this one is the one that set us on a path. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed that. And we have like a mission. We have like a, a holy mission, in fact. And I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really well done. Um, I'm getting to know the characters a little bit better, which I really do- dig. And this is a hell of a last page sting, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like the in, like the, the subtle intro talking about them. I'm like, look, a fellow Trevor. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, don't go there. <laughs> like so, But I really liked it. I thought this was really cool. I still love the art. Mm-hmm. And I love the two main characters. So it really hooks me with this book. What did you think? I, I really liked it too, where like it felt different than the first one. And maybe it felt like this might be like the better, this issue had like the better tone for the book. Where like the, the first issue felt like an actual comic book issue just to get us familiar with like just getting into it. This one actually felt more like, it, like I was reading an, an actual story, like an actual story book. And not just because it was like, not just because because it was dense, but it's like there's just so much character involvement, and like what they and, and like what they were saying mattered more than what they were doing to set them on their path. Like the the whole like the like even like subplot of getting Pitt's name right with like with that priest, and I thought he was gonna be a, a complete asshole at the end, and then he kind of does like that correction, or he's like uh, the Pitt and the girl are on their path. He's like, oh, well, that was a touching moment. Like it, it made the the. The, it made the arc of the issue worth it, and so I, I just I felt like I felt like this one just had like the uh, the better tone. So I got, I'm kind of hooked on it too for after this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, visually, it hooked me before. Mm-hmm. But I oh, was yeah, kind of sure. wondering. I was wondering kind of where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. Not in a negative way, but I was just kind of like curious. Like, huh? What's what's going to happen here? Is this just going to be about the you know someone scamming with stories and you know? I'm, but no, it actually right. went, they're going on an adventure. But then part of me is like. What if they're not going on adventure? What if this is the story? And I'm like, oh, you bastards, you got true. Me. I, so. which, which is it's not hitting me that even even uh, um, credit to credit to the issue. Um, I was so involved with like the characters and like, like I said, like what they were doing and being what they were saying that I completely forgot that there's like the other side of the story of in the future. So it's kind of like I completely forgot about that. So it's how much I was I was uh, involved in this one. Yeah, very cool. I'm very excited about it. So mm-hmm. next up. Uh, the finale of the arc question mark because <laughs> it's like a joke there's like a self-aware joke about it in the first page uh, Starhenge book one number six written illustrated letter by Liam Sharp with a font by Dave Gibbons um, I just I mean my first thing is someone fangirling about Taliesin is amazing to me <laughs> like almost no one knows who Taliesin is so that was my review of last book it was like Taliesin and then we just go straight up balls deep in the Taliesin story which I really enjoy um I mean what can you say about this book that we haven't said every issue the art is incredible this shit is incredible oh, I, yeah that's a great <laughs> fucking page like there's just and then the, even the guy transforming back into the deer the mm-hmm. elk I should say like and just some of the really grim art and God, it's so intriguing. I, it's so, it's one of the most intriguing books that's come out this year. And I don't think we gave it enough credit in our end of the year awards. Maybe I'm kind of torn a little bit. So, um, but yeah, really, really cool. Um, yeah. Amazing. But yeah, they do. Uh, I did mention, I teased, they said, 
Now, dear reader, whoever, whenever you are, if this was a real comic, I guess when we were just about getting to issue six, the end of the first chapter. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love this. It's really cool. And I'm again, I'm a history buff, so I love historical and fantasy, historical fantasy especially. And just to see this all come out, it's really, really great. So, yeah, what did you think, man? It is just such a project to just, like, go through these retellings but with with an actual like goal in mind like like we're trying to, to like, we're trying to get to, to something here like as what's stated in the first issue and then we're just <laughs> end of the end of book one and then we move on to or and that's just gonna be fucking sick <laughs> just gonna, right like what are the because like, um, it's supposed to be a, a three book uh a 10 to three book journey um so hopefully yeah up to 18 issues so what are these books going to be? What are these chapters going to be? And I'm really hoping we get to see it to the end because uh, please don't let this don't let this book get canceled. I I, I want to see this through. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are reading it. Um, I know I was reading. I actually read the reviews on the back this time. And I know Gil Simone said it's the best book, comic this year. Sick. And that that's a big thing from Gil Simone. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, he's done a lot of interesting work has Mm -hmm. Liam Sharp like working on heavy metal, you know, like there's a lot of places he can go with this. Like, and I really dig that. So, um, but yeah, really, really cool. I dug it. So next up, it's a ride that Hostway needs to get on already. Dark ride. (laughs) Number three written by Joshua Williamson, created by Andrea Bresson, Colored by Adriana Lucas, letter by Pat Brousseau, but definitely inspired by the devil. Dark Ride number three. You might remember the last issue featured a little girl slitting her own wrist being like, I'll help you, daddy. <laughs> so um, she's taken to the hospital. She's going to be okay. But her mom finds out and is like, she said she was helping you and is like, stay the fuck away from our daughter. Meanwhile, there's this whole investigation going on about the missing boy from the first issue. His sister's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, And we finally see the dad for the first time since the first issue. Mm -hmm. Because ever since the park opened, we just never see him. But we don't really see him. We see stuff like this. Oh, gotcha. Like, that's all we see. Uh -uh. And his daughter Halloween's talking to him. And it's always like a close-up on the mouth or a shadowy figure. And he's working on something for the park. We don't know what. Uh, the girl doing the investigation breaks in after hours uh, to try to like steal the, steal the records. And uh, she's caught by the dude, the son of the owner, who confronts her. And she's like... Um, He's like, we're closed. And he's like, the horror is all an act because she's talking about how her brother's dead and all, or gone and all this. And he's like, the horror is an act. It's fake. She's like, what about him? And you look over and there's one of the mascots just standing there <laughs> in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. He's like, what are you doing here? We're not paying you overtime. And then he does this. And then he just crumples over. Like, and you're like, what the fuck, right? She runs away. And she hears a voice, and this is yet another last page reveal that this series has already been really well known for, saying, Summer, which is her name, you don't have to worry about me anymore, sis. You found me. Now, how about a hug? Oh, God. Sick. 
<laughs> fucking hell, man. That's this awesome. This book is messing with my normal. So, <laughs> like, but it's really, really good. I really enjoy it. So highly recommend Dark Ride. If there are any horror fans out there, this is the book for you. It's fantastic. Next up, a book that I feel like I don't feel comfortable saying that it has been bad up to this point, but I've been on my toes about this book because I've been like, when's it going to drop? When is Mm -hmm. the truth going to drop? What's going to happen? And I think this is the issue where we're starting to see things really happen, happen. Um, Love Everlasting, number five. Written by Tom King, drawn by Elsa Chartier, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. This issue was fucking great. (laughs) Like, just... After all these issues and getting no answers, we're starting to get these answers and they're not clear answers and they're very twisted. Um, Just the way... Okay, so the main character, Joan, has been living through all these romances. Well, now she's in basically like a dating advisor's office trying to get advice. But here's the thing. The scene keeps changing time periods without without no one acknowledging it. Their costumes complete changing. The room complete keeps changing. And I'm like, oh, this is weird and ominous. And we find out it's all about her rejecting love, essentially, is what's happening. Like, all these different dudes throwing themselves at her, and she keeps rejecting them all. And they're talking about it's her mother. Her mother's putting her through this. And she demands to see her mother. Um, It's really cool. Obviously, at the end, she doesn't get to see her mother in the way that we thought she would. Um the other reoccurring theme of a cowboy shooting her comes back and we get rebooted into another timeline. I really liked it. It's really cool. Um, it's mind bendy and twisty and the way they use color, especially at the end is really interesting mm-hmm. and tells a story of its own. Um, yeah, I just really, really, really liked it. And it gets it gets me theorizing what I think is going to happen, which is, what if she's gay? First of all, is my first thought, right? And what if this is her perception of the therapy, or what if we're in the future and this is like a virtual reality therapy thing? You For, know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and I'm like, who? Or what if she's just isn't interested in dating? What if she's a you know asexual, a, a romantic, whatever you want to call it? she's not interested in her mom's trying to basically brainwash her to doing it it makes it really interesting and it makes it a very fascinating book so far um but this definitely was the issue where we're starting to be like okay this is where we're going so yeah what did you think um de- yeah uh, de- definitely definitely that uh tom king is a, is a good writer he's a great writer um though not a writer for everyone going issue to issue and this then this book is a testament to that because it Though it has been a ride up until like the for, like last uh, was it five issues, um, this one does uh, the Tom King thing where you start to see a little bit of the bigger picture where like he really does make you hold out until like l- down the line for to to start to to start uh, revealing everything else, um, and and I like that about him. It's, 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 it's sometimes it's just like I'm I'm waiting too long. Sometimes I'm I'm liking because of it of it all, and so and this story was just very interesting because like it can't just be like I can't just be writing this like two dimensional story. He is, I know that he is better than that. It's supposed to be on purpose. Um, so now that we actually are having like nothing but a conversation about all this, it made for a very very um, 
interesting issue because because I've been holding out for so long. Um, yeah, good good shit so far. Yeah, definitely, and it's definitely making me more interested in where we're going. Mm-hmm. So great stuff. And our final image book of the week. <laughs> I loved it so much. Radiant Black number twenty. Yes, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Marcelo Costa, colors by Rod Fernandez, and letter by Becca Carey. Hopefully, we are getting a team up, and I love it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I love it so much. Um, yeah, basically, giant robot appears. Radiance black and pink have to take care of it. They can't take care of it on their own. Pink has an idea. Bust red out of prison. And if she's going to operate from prison, <laughs> I would love that. That's a cool ass story. It's a really good idea, especially for like a hell of an alibi. It's like, wait, we arrested you. you are you busting out? It's like, you can't prove it. So I, I've been here. So no, maybe I'm not radiant red this whole time. <laughs> That'd be so fucking great. Imagine if Daredevil just kept breaking out of prison the entire time. Like, <laughs> like, 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 well, you haven't seen She-Hulk. Mm. There's a oh, joke. Of, there's a joke about someone just getting teleported out of prison repeatedly to do shit. Oh, nice. So, okay. But yeah, um, I love it. I love the team up. I love that Red was the secret ingredient because she's my favorite. So that <laughs> helps. Um, she just fucking wrecks the dude. This <laughs> is amazing. And yeah, I just feel like we're really building to something big and cool and i think it's gonna be great and i i love pink as well i think pink is great and we get the little tease of yellow which is great as well so also i love that they rebuilt the place that fell on him and almost uh-huh. killed him and then she's like you're still coming here he's like they have a good draft list I'm like, <laughs> word like you find a good sports bar with an amazing draft list you go there so i loved it i can't wait to see the future of the radiant world let's bring them all in Let's bring in Dead Lucky. Let's bring every single one of them in. Yes. And let's do a big, massive fucking crossover against a giant <laughs> robot and beat the shit out of it. I'm here for that 100%. Take my money. What did you think of this way? Um, I, I am worried about Yellow. Um, like, Jesus, is he, like, just taking on a lot for himself, just trying to figure it out? But it's like, buddy, that's not the right way. This might not be the right way. And also Radiant Pink, um, not or figuring out that everyone else has like a like a, a secondary like a secondary henshin or power up and maybe she just hasn't figured out hers but the fact that she's jealous that everybody else has something else and is like well that's not fucking fair <laughs> yeah ah so good it was a really good companion to radiant pink one yes yes it like was featuring her in both books made a lot of sense mm-hmm so I really like, especially it. when she complains that was just like, wait again, like that's not fucking fair that you two get to split the powers, and I'm trying to be in two places at once while streaming. Like, <laughs> I, I like that. Sh- I like that call out. Yeah, definitely. We'll see where it goes. All right. Well, that's it for image. Next up, we're going to talk about DC comic books. We got a couple books here to talk about. Certainly more than last week. Let's talk <laughs> about a number one to start with. Danger Street number one. Number one, book one. It's a black label book, too. I should make that clear. Written by Tom King, art by Jorge Fornes, colored by Dave Stewart, and letter by Clayton Cowles. I'll just be honest. I don't know what to think of this book yet. Um, I was was curious on it. It was a lot of setup. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of setup with characters I give a shit about. Okay. So I think I'm going to keep buying it. But it's also told in almost like a legendary fairy tale kind of thing mm-hmm. and but it's like modern times it's weird to explain but it features some characters you wouldn't expect like jack Ryder uh from the batman mythos yeah uh he plays a significant part 
there's Starman, who I love Starman, because he yeah. was in the Justice League before they did the new 52, and it's the worst thing DC's ever done is get rid of him. Um, Metamorpho, who's very funny in it. Um, and it does tease some of the like more cosmic characters, as well as the Doctor Fate helmet. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, there's also these four boys who are out basically sand duning, um, and something happens. Starman gets startled, blasts in the direction of the kid, and accidentally kills him. Oh shit! And that's kind of like where we leave off. Um, and I don't know exactly what's going to happen from here. It's a lot of setup. It's a lot of being like, here are the characters. I'm going to stick with it mm-hmm. because I have a lot of faith in Tom King and Black Label in yeah. general. Uh, but I'm curious to see where it goes. Especially so, with yeah. play, play, uh, DC actually playing with these characters. I'm, I'm, I'm curious on it too. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So mm-hmm. Next up, the other number one for DC this week, which is, I mentioned, Dark Crisis, Big Bang. I got this cover. Oh. I thought it was cute. So, all right. Creative team: Mark Wade writing, art by Dan Jurgens and Nam Rutman, color by Federico Blee, letter by Troy Pateri. This is kind of like the one shot to set up the multiverse, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. And it's between um, Wallace West and um, I guess it's Barry. Yeah, yeah, it was been Barry, Barry on. And basically, it just shows all the different alternate Earths that are currently a part of the multiverse, as I mentioned during the news. And it kind of retells the story of the Anti-Monitor. Now, one of the things that bothers me, and this is just a this is a nitpick thing, and uh, this is the only negative thing I'm going to say, is I hate that the DC characters call them crises with a capital C. Okay. like They're like, yeah, after the last crisis, and I'm like... <laughs> like I get it's a branding thing, but I don't hear the Flash being like, "Man, there's been like six crises," and I'm like, "Why are some things crises and some things aren't?" Are DC explaining that? Why wasn't the 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 Black Lantern thing? Why wasn't that a crisis? Because that was pretty scary, right? <laughs> that was pretty like, fucked up, yeah. Like, but no, we're not going to call it that because DC didn't brand it that. And I'm like, boo. Um, but they do show some of the alternate Earths, including the Dark Knights of Steel. Yes. Which is Earth 118. I am here for this. Um, they have the DC versus Vampires one. They have the Jurassic League one. Uh-huh. Where they're all dinosaurs. Good stuff. And just all the ones you would normally expect. It's really cool. There's the Jonah Hex world, which I'm a big fan of. Um, there's a world where it's all comics, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, There's also the Adam West Batman world with the yes. Romero Joker, which I really enjoyed. Um there's actually several Batman on that page alone. Um, but it, it, yeah, they just set this up and establish. Basically, it's Barry telling um, tell, telling Kid Flash, hey, this is what's going on. This is why this is how it works. And then they have a fight with some bad guy or the bad guy. That's it, basically. Um, the cool thing is, is on the back, there's a complete list of all the Earths that are featured. So you can go through it and figure out which worlds they are and nice. stuff. So really cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, not necessary for Dark Crisis, in my humble opinion, but I also love shit like Age of Apocalypse the Chosen, which is literally a list of heroes and if they're if Apocalypse likes them or not. So mm-hmm. I like shit like that. So, All right, next up, Postway is going to talk to us very quickly about Wonder Woman 794. Yes. 
then I got the sweet Jem Bartel variant, and awesome. I've never wanted a white leather jacket before until this this cover, because <laughs> she <laughs> is fabulous and looks awesome in it. Creative team is sporadically somewhere. Oh, probably in the back because of that cliffhanger. One second. <laughs> As they do. As they usually do. And I was right. Michael W. Conrad and Becky Clinton. <laughs> As writers, pencils by Emanuela Lampuccino and inks by Wade Von Grabadger. Wade Von Grabadger. And um, caused by Jordi Belair with letters by Pat Brazzo. So, um, we check in a, a, a checkmate. And Steve has um, his leg broken, so he has to stay behind with Adam, and he looks really bummed out because he can't be out there with Siggy. And out there, uh, I mean, it really, God, his face just says it all. Um, and so, but out there, back at, um, where are they at? Right now they're in uh, Arlington, Virginia, at the International Milk Company, because they're, they're still after those. Siggy and Cheetah, um, super dope looking Cheetah. God, I fucking love that she's part of the team. She looks so sick. Look at those poses. Mm-hmm. Looks awesome. Um, they're, they're infiltrating. They're trying to shut it down. Of course, this milk company, is, like the milk company uh, employees, are caring. So they're obviously the bad guys, but they're under strict orders to not kill. Um, as they're about to kind of like shut it down, a deity forms actually two, and it's uh, Phobos and Demos. Mm. And so and then they're, they're all kind of like saying like they're. Uh, monologuing being obscure about their plot and diana finally shows up and like now now they're really they are no fucking match um they're they're fucking they're 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 tearing this dude apart like they're fucking him up they 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 drop him in they drop him in a milk vat (laughs) um and siggy gets gets fucked up for a second and here's our our siggy and steve update because siggy gets like just like thrown off to a wall like every other superhero does and instead of Edda, because Edda is like the man on the chair from Checkmate, it's actually you get you get to hear Siggy, are you okay? And it's of course, of course I am, Steve. It's his boyfriend checking in if he's if his boyfriend is okay. <laughs> and there it is. There's our update that we were missing in the last issue. Amazing. So they're fine. Um, um and they assumingly assumingly kill them. Like you killed the god. Um because I mean, like Steve, like they, they they witness it all, and also Steve has this pose where he it's like a very very worried boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. after what just happened, it's just like it's gonna happen. They're gonna call it out, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be like I told y'all. Um. So news hits like like news hits everyone that something is happening uh over the city, and it's like a temple. It's uh like there's like Olympian temple is like hovering over almost kind of like Asgard style. But it's just it's just like a single temple. Um, there's a funny moment where Siggy can't understand uh, wind and telephones, but Cheetah having good ears, <laughs> she picks up where they need to go. Um, and also, there's another another moment. Um, Diana is like, "Oh well, I'm gonna go in there," and Steve kind of like goes after her, and is like, uh, "I was like, Diana, wait, don't go in there alone. Don't go in there alone." And again, Siggy with the Steve, leave her to it, my brother. She knows what she's doing, and like. Puts it puts his arm over him as in like because he can't walk with his bum leg, um, so they kind of go, both go together. When they're gonna hobble over, now at the temple, um, she's kind of like basically like, show yourself like you're just gonna get fucked anyway, and it's fucking arrows, 
Arrow shows up and he starts off monologuing and it's like, you don't know our plan. And Dinah's basically like, bitch, I know it's fucking Hera. Um, and he's like, well, since you know it's Hera, then you, you can't fucking stop us. Look outside. And like people that have been drinking the milk are kind of like praising Hera, like are starting to revolt. And there's like a chaos that's happening outside. And who crashes the party since Arrows is around? Our fucking girl, Yara Floor. Oh, finally. Fine. Finally. <laughs> yes, those are the words. Finally. <laughs> so, yeah, she shows up being like, bitch, fucking remember me. <laughs> so, yeah, Arrows is about to get his ass kicked. I just want her to wander in, like, eating an ice cream cone. Like, she, <laughs> like she didn't, she just happened to show up here. And look up and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, that's what I want from her. I want her to never look for a fight. If I was writing her, I would never have her actually look for a fight. I would just have her fall into fights over and over. That'd be nice. So, but yeah, awesome, dude. Good stuff. All right. Also, I have to mention that um, the first time you said Steve, you said it in the exact same way as Flight of the Concords during um, <laughs> Hip Hopopotamus versus Rhinoceros. Uh huh. Where he, it's the part where he's like, um, uh, like he's like, uh, where did you get that preposterous hypothesis? Did Steve tell you that? What's it got to do with it? What kind of rapping name is Steve? <laughs> like, was, as soon as you said that, I started smiling because it's like Steve. Nice. <laughs> like, I love it. Sorry, I get distracted easily. Next up is Superman, Son of Kal-El, number eighteen, the finale. No. Written by Tom Taylor, pencils by Sian Tormi and Rory Coleman, inked by Sian Tormi and Rory Coleman and Scott Hanna, colored by Romulo Hofardo Jr. and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, it wraps it up, and I think it does it in a very interesting way because it doesn't really... It introduces a lot of new elements at the end. Okay. So I, I do. Th- it does give me a little hope for the future for John because I think it... It's... If they were uninterested in using them, they wouldn't have done this, is what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really good. Um, they rebuild the Kent farmhouse because it was destroyed earlier in the in the series. Mm-hmm. And so the Justice League rebuilt it in like 30 seconds. <laughs> and then Batman puts a shield over it so it can't be destroyed again. <laughs> and Superman's like, yeah, that looks really strong. He's like, yeah, I built it to, to basically protect people from you. And it's like this Batman <laughs> awkward moment that I love. He's like, yeah, I have plans to kill all of you just so you remember. <laughs> like, you know, I love that. Um but it's mostly about um, about Clark and John, and it's really good. Uh, they get into a fight with the guy who stole the thing from the last few issues. I'm not going to jump, jump all the way into it. Uh-huh. But basically, long story short, John has his Lex Luthor now. Oh. Yes. And he steals John's powers and shoots him with a gun. Oh, shit. Okay. And John has to use... Uh, kind of a deus ex machina but in a good way mm-hmm. uh, basically he it's he was told in case of emergency break glass so he breaks his belt buckle and this happens oh get the fuck out holy yeah. shit yeah uh-huh yeah and it's really cool um also we found out that his um his lex luther basically has red sun powers he can summon Ooh. the red sun is what it is mm-hmm and we find out that this kid, his parents used to work for Lex Luthor. Huh. And so at the end, Lex shows up to this kid in jail and is like, hey, I'm going to team up with you, basically. So like, little father-son tag team fun. That'd be great. So good stuff. I'm very excited to see where this goes because they did say at the end um, that 
they're going to touch on this in Action Comics 1050, so I have to buy Action Comics now. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adventures of Superman, John Kent, which right, is the right. next series. So. Well, I yep. mean, like, right after Lazarus Pit, like, DC did say, like, the, the Superman family is, like, going to be, like, their main focus, so. Yeah, which, I mean, that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I was just on Men of Steel with uh, Case yeah. and J. Mike, and it was a blast. And we were talking about that, that last arc before Cyborg Superman Eradicator um connor and steel are all introduced you're right but they had me there for the funeral episode i'm like oh yeah i can't be here for the death of superman and i can't be here for all these cool new characters but i'm gonna be here for lois lane being sad for seven issues i was like like, no i love i love being on men of steel i I would be there every every week if they let me but but it was just funny i'm like what made you think of me in this one case (laughs) was depressing is that why no but yeah, I think he's just going to bring me on for all the sad ones because it's funny to him. The next oh, up. That's good. <laughs> next up. Uh, no, he knows I hate Superman. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Batman Inc., number three. <laughs> yeah, I'm still buying it. Um, so, it's actually, it's good. It's a good book. I'll get into it. Written by Ed Brisson. Art and colors by John Timms. Colors by Rex Locus. Letter by Clayton Cowles. My main critique of this book has been there's 30 characters, seemingly, and you're not introducing any of them. You uh, literally yeah. introduced three of them. And I'm kind of like, I need, I need to know who these people are. Because the person that was Catman wasn't actually Catman, by the way. Ah, uh, lame. Um, I know. And I was like, it's some, I'm like, I don't know who that is. What's this name? Like, I don't know that name. So, I don't did, know. Did they even say it? Yeah, they did. Um, I'll see if I can find it here. But the cool thing, okay, so the one about this is this issue was very focused on the main story and did not jump around nearly as much as the other issues. So it was a lot easier to keep track of what the fuck was going on and who these people were. And I I think I liked a lot for that reason. It was my favorite issue so far. Um, And we also get kind of the setup of what we're dealing with, what's going on here. Um, So, yeah. I liked it. I like the art a lot. I, I like a lot of the characters. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, build to something. And I'm very curious to see what they're going to do beyond this first arc. Because the first arc is kind of like the gathering of the group. And also, like, we got to get, we got to stop this bad guy who has a history with, with the Bat family. And I think it's very interesting. So uh, there's a little bit of like a touch of Red Hood, the Lost Days, too, to me which is like the people that trained you kind of thing. I think that's interesting that that's being played again, but it's in a completely different way. So it's not, I'm not saying like it's any kind of a ripoff or anything like that. I just think it's a very interesting choice to do that again. Um, but yeah, um, again, I'm really enjoying them. I like hero a lot. Uh, clown hunter is obviously very cool. And, um, Batman of China, I think is the way they introduced him. I really enjoyed that too. So I don't remember if, Knight was in this very much now that I think about it. I can't remember if they jumped out at me. So, but yeah, um, it was, is it Hollow? I think is the guy's name. Hollow, H O L L O W. Um, (laughs) and so I don't know. He looks cool. Like, he does look cool. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) So cool stuff. All right, next up. A book I really enjoyed. Batgirls number 13. Check out this cover. 
Whoa. Ooh, trippy. It's insane looking, right? Yeah. I love it. So you might remember from Batgirl's annual that Cass and Stephanie switch brains. So they're in each other's body. Written by Becky Clunan and Michael Conrad. Art, colors, and letters by Jonathan Case. Um, yeah, basically, Ka- Stephanie and Cass's body was taken by Stephanie's mom, Lady Shiva. And Cass and Stephanie's body was abducted by Stephanie's dad, who's a criminal. Uh, Stephanie is talking to Lady Shiva, and Lady Shiva very quickly figures out, you're not Cass. She's like, I know I know my daughter very well. You are not Cass. And she's like, yeah, I'm the other Batgirl, basically. We got brain swapped. Um, meanwhile, Barbara and Bruce are trying to figure out what happened, how, how the switcheroo happened. Um, and so they go back to Wayne Manor, which is cool because he doesn't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they open it up to go into the library because he actually has a crazy amount of occult books. And Barbara drops the line, I bet even Constantine would be impressed. And he said, the last time John was here, he left a cigarette butt in Dante's Inferno. This man has lost his library privileges, which I thought was great. So, yeah. And then they're like, well, we need some occult backup. And it's like, who would you call? Zatanna. Yes. Good. And she says, you know, before you say anything, it's laundry day. Lucky, luckily fishnets never go to style because she has like pants now. Hell yeah. So, So I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to bring back that that outfit without recommitting to it you know i like that mm-hmm. so uh but yeah they're basically like oh it's a magic thing and they trace it to this fortune teller long story short and they find out that the fortune teller is actually madame zodiac in disguise because her name dame Kamidoza, is an anagram hmm. uh, and she's like yeah oh their wish was to you know walk a day in each other's shoes so after a day it should wear off and it does Except now Stephanie's back in her body, tied up by her father, and has no idea where she is. Oh, but because Cass was in her body, Cass knows where they are, Ah, and Cass is free now, so she can go save her. So that's what we're up to. So really cool. I I really enjoyed it. I love Bad Girls. It's just such a great book. A lot of fun. And our final DC book of the week is I'm having so much fun with. Oh, I I hate this as a limited series. Wildcats number two. Oh, it is. Oh, it is a fuck. Yeah. So, uh, this is one of the most exciting DC books for me. The fact this one exists because again, I was a big Wildstorm kid. So written by Matt Rosenberg, art by Steven Segovia, colors by Elmer Santos, letter by Fern Delgado. Basically they escape from the big fucking mess they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. A lot of cool action. I still, I just love, I love Grifter with the, the hair sticking out the top. I always like that look. Yeah. Zealot. This is very much a zealot issue. Just some of the coolest action in this issue. And basically it's them disobeying orders from their boss <laughs> and doing what they basically want. And I really enjoy that. Um, we find out that Nora freeze, Mr. Freeze's wife yeah. is a part of this organization. What? Like she's, okay. in, she's in, she's in the, the, the at the table for the the vice presidents and stuff talking and things like that. So, oh, shit. um, they throw a party and someone tries to kill the the like head of the organization, which leads to Zealot being a badass again, like doing that <laughs> kick out a window. Yeah, like she's just so fucking cool. I don't know how the DC universe has went so long without her being in it. Look at that shot. Seriously, <laughs> Wait, for real. She's so cool. She should be in the Birds of Prey if they ever bring that back. Just throw that out there. Um, but they basically decide to go. They're like, okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna go public, and they introduce their superhero team, which is 
the seven soldiers of victory, <laughs> not wildcats. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I really, really liked it. It's a lot of fun and ah, good stuff. More wild, more wildstorm, please. I would appreciate that. Which brings us to our final publisher already Marvel comics. And it's not even a big week for Marvel, but we're going to talk about them starting off Savage Avengers 2099. Number eight, uh, this is, of course, written by David Papos, art by Carlos Magno, color by Espen Grutenjern, and letter by Travis Lanham. So we're in the year 2099, obviously. The Savage Avengers, who are traveling through time, have to team up with Doom 2099 to take on Ultron and all these Deathlocks. And they do. And it's really fun. And there's a great moment, because you might remember either last issue or the issue before, they broke into Avengers Mansion and into the vault, because mm-hmm. Black, Black Knight still had privileges. Yeah, <laughs> and they're able to get in and get all the weapons and stuff, right? So everybody had these cool weapons. Well, they reveal in this one because Deathlock is feeling kind of like down about himself, and there's a really, really great moment because Deathlock, of course, is Miles Morales, right? Uh huh. Um, there's a really cool moment. I'm going to pull it up because I want to show it to you. Where um, they're talking, he's you know he's feeling down. He's like, I'm responsible for this, and he's just like. Uh, Anti-Venom's talking to him, and Anti-Venom's like, you know, the suit recognized your moves before I did. You know, because he's Miles, you know, the suit recognizes him. Yeah. He's like, I snagged you something back at Avengers Mansion. Welcome out to the side of the angels, Spider-Man. And he hands him some web, uh, web shooters. A Deathlock with web shooters! And it says, Deathlock, Miles Morales, does whatever a spider can. Oh. <laughs> I know, I was like, ah, it gave me really good chills. I really enjoyed that, so... Um, so they get there, long story short, they're surprised by Ultron, they have a fight, and he immediately beats them all. Like, immediately. Presumably killing them all. Ooh. Right? And Ultron has this whole thing at the end where he's, like, given an evil villain monologue, and he's like, all shall be assimilated within the machine empire. Now what is it you humans were always so fond of saying? A symbol, and it's his Savage Avengers. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, those look sick. So there's there's Weapon H, by the way. Oh no! I'll break his side out. Yeah, dude. So he kind of put them back together in his own way. Mm-hmm. There's also a really cool moment I should talk about where Anti Venom went on to Dagger, so Ooh. she became a symbiote and looked like this. Oh, the white on white. Let's see. Oh, that looks so cool. Oh, the oh, collar looks so sick. <laughs> it's such a great moment. I love that. That was that that besides the does whatever spider came moment, it's it was an amazing moment. Those are both so good. So and this the, book just delivers every time. I love it. The cloak and dagger highlights throughout this book are have been so have been so sweet to hear. Like I I I'd probably want to get the trade for this one when it comes out. Cloak does declare his love for her. Oh. Right before they die, basically. Because, <laughs> so, of course, he does. So, yeah. He's so. If there's one thing that's weird to me, it's that cloak. Because she's basically with Anti Venom now. And he's doing the whole, like, I should have told her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, things. It's really interesting. But, yeah. All right. Next up Planet Hulk World Breaker, number two. I got the variant. I liked it. I don't know. Some jumped out of me about it. I, I really considered like it because it, so. it is such a badass Hulk, but it's like, but then I looked at cover A and it's like the fact that this at least started with the Amadeus as an Amadeus uh, book. I just yeah. have to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Written by Greg Pak. Pencil by Emmanuel Garcia. Inked by Com Smith. 
Cutter by Chris Sotomayor and letter by Joe Carbmagna. You can never, never go along with Greg Pack on Hulk, is nope. my opinion. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're years in the future as we were before. We get to see Amadeus transform a bit. We get more of the story and kind of where we're going to go with this. And they do go find Banner. Um, they also mention Jen. Mm-hmm. And that's setting up something for later. So I really enjoyed that. But they find Banner. Banner's like, yeah, the Hulk's not available. But he's such... It's not like in a lot of times where you see Banner who is under control and keep the Hulk under control and is all all zen. You know what I mean? Like, this one seems to be ready to Hulk out at any moment. <laughs> yeah. And like barely keeping it under control. And I like that because it's literally just being like, hey... Can you be the Hulk? And he's like, ah, like it's just like immediately starts transforming. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, I love that he's riding the edge of control. I think that's really cool. Um, so we go into it. Long story short, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens. Oh, we well, have to talk about Bruce does transform into the Hulk and stalks off gloomily into lava. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite things. Things that the Hulk does is him just being in lava. It's just like it's just how fucking strong he is. Oh, it's so like, sick that they did that can't follow me under here (laughs) (laughs) i love that um but we do get a revelation that hey they need to talk to jen instead and we find out why that might not be likely and might not be a good idea and i think we're gonna dig more into that in the next issue so uh what did you think sir you know i'm I'm excited for the next issue because it it seems like it will be explaining what the fallout was especially with with korg like damn it like, the fact that, like best friend <laughs> the fact that that bruce at least like for like how much of like, he's trying to keep it together um he still has like all those mementos like all, all those pictures he's not just like brooding away like he just like he does kind of kind of give a shit um but yeah the the fucking page of him transforming like over them was just so sick that's classic hulk i like love and, it. and then that and then like how yeah. distinct his green still is like amadeus is mm-hmm. kind of fading like the other girl like hers is like her green is barely almost like there but she can like just, like absorb gamma which is cool but then how distinct his, his is on top of them oh fuck I, I'm, I'm really excited for world world breakers it's been quite interesting mm-hmm. so far as someone who is kind of colorblind mm-hmm. um a lot of greens f- fade together but hulk green is always a green i can notice like, yeah yeah so, yeah Nice. All right. Next up, uh, number one, Invincible Iron Man number one. Okay. I went with the A cover. It is a dope great. one. Yeah, it's very much an Iron Man cover. So, mm-hmm. um, this book, how to even explain to Josue? Uh, let me find the creative team if I can. There we go. Jerry Written Dugan. by Gary Dugan, art by Juan Frugetti, color by Brian Valenza, letter by Jokara Magna. This, the title of this is the autobiograph autobiography of Tony Stark. Hmm. <laughs> it's him writing his autobiography because he thinks he's going to die soon, not because he has a cancer diagnosis or anything like that. He just assumes he's going to die soon. Um, and it's opened up in the world where he lost control of Stark Enterprises. He has no no money basically. Um, he's lost all of his property. He literally lists all the property like as eh, Avengers Tower used to own that and shit like that. Like he owns nothing. He owns a small brownstone and basically like a storage unit is basically what he owns. And he only has one set of armor, two sets of armor technically left. Oh shit. And he's just like, well, going to do my best. And, uh, he basically runs into a lot of problems right off the bat. His brownstone is blown up, which leads to one of his neighbors dying. Ooh. 
And he's like, they wouldn't have died if Iron Man didn't live next to them, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's his fault, technically. So he goes to live in basically this little garage-like storage unit thing I mentioned. Um, he's getting sued by a bunch of people for the explosion, saying it's his fault, including one guy who wasn't even in town. They make a point of it. Uh, she hulks his lawyer being like, listen, I can prove most of these people weren't even there. And he's like, just pay them. Uh. And, she, and then it, the best part is that she goes... And if we strike bedrock in your checking account, he says, well, I'll have to go invent something. <laughs> like, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. So he tests out the new suit. He gets attacked by a big dude in, or a dude in a bigger suit. Um, he does this really cool thing where he reaches out and grabs the guy's wrist and crushes it. Mm-hmm. And that the person doesn't react. And he's, and he says, that'd be a clean break of the all known radius. If there was anyone home, basically. So, yeah. Oh, I know there's no one in here. He goes, oh, you're a drone. So he's like, raises her pulse or blast it. And then part of him is just like, wait, something's wrong here. He pulls the helmet off and there's a guy in there sedated. Oh, they were set. They were setting Tony up to kill him. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's so fucked. And the suit is packed with plastic explosives. Oh, shit. So Tony's able to grab him, fly away as the suit blows up. Uh-huh. He finds out he's a kidnap victim. So someone's setting him up to look as bad as possible. Yeah. And then he goes, he's like, you know, at his lowest, lowest point, he goes to AA. They do the whole thing. You know, he leaves AA early because he's like, I don't want to endanger the people there. And he's like, you know, he basically is like walking and he's not feeling well. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, I skipped a bit. He leaves, right? And he's like, I don't know where my legs are taking me. And it shows him coming out of a pub. Ooh. And it says, bad habits are bad. I wake up in the men's room. Not sure how I ended up inside. What is happening to me? And then he falls over and starts throwing up. And someone starts taping it. Like, isn't that Tony Stark? No. And that's how we end the first issue. Oh, oh, I'm back in that alley. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Now, number two is promoted as being called Damage Control, and it's being promoted as Iron Man versus Iron Heart. So take into that what you want. So it's been a good start. I really enjoy it. So (laughs) as someone who's not the biggest Tony fan, I I I enjoyed what I read. I love how probably Steve is probably out there being like, can no one lead the Avengers right now? Like, I'm kind of busy right now, guys. I can't trust T'Challa. I have a Cold War coming up. A Cold War coming up. Tony's on a bender again. Like, fuck, please. Hawkeye is like, I'd be happy to lead the Avengers. He's like, not you. (laughs) Anyone but Hawkeye, Black Knight. No, not you either. (laughs) Fine, I'll do it myself. Well, I had Thunderbolts business anyway. (laughs) For some pompous ass shit. I'm I'm leading the Thunderbolts again. Like, yeah. Okay, next up, a number one host we did get. Mm-hmm. Monica Rambo Photon. I got the Peach Momoko cover, of course. I had to get that classic throwback one. Beautiful. Yeah. They're both great. Mm-hmm. Written by Eve L. Ewing, art by Luca Maresca and Evan Faroli, colored by Carlos Lopez and letter by Clayton Cowles. This is a really good if you know nothing about Monica Rambo, it's a good start. If you know a little bit about her, it's a great way to jump back in. And if you know everything about her, it's just taking up where you left off, and it's great. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. 
obviously I'm a sucker for the ocean. So the whole beginning is basically talking about how great the ocean is essentially. And I'm like, yeah, the ocean. I love it. That, that was so cool. Put into, um, put into perspective, the basis of her speed by just being able to utilize the ocean for what it is, for the simplistic thing for what it is. And that was so awesome. And then just like, to just like, then open it up from there to even the, the power output after that, like, She's insane. Photon is insane with her power set. Uh, obviously, she's fast as light. So I like the parts where she just pops into places. I think that's <laughs> yeah. funny. The whole thing with Doctor Strange and Wong. Um, her teaming up with Spider-Man and immediately ordering him around, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, he's like, hey, now what? <laughs> like, um, Yeah, we kind of get the setup and we get, you know, an ominous trademark, ominous um, prediction that she's going to destroy the world, essentially. But we also get to deal with her like life and her family. And I think, again, it sets up every bit of her character that you need to know in the first issue. Um, and it ends with a really cool shot that I really enjoy that last page. Oh, fuck yeah. It's, it's not often we get a really cool double spread last page. And you're right. And I really enjoyed how that was done. So um, my only thing, my only quibble with this book, mm-hmm. her and Blue Marvel broke up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a fan of that, but other than that, it's a great book. I love it. What do you think? Um, it, it was definitely fun. It was a great setup to just like have so many things going going on, but she remains the focal point throughout the whole thing, which is great because obviously it's, it's her book. But um, yeah, everything just feels important. Everything that she's like going like one thing at a time. Like yeah, the, the her and Wong thing was, was awesome. Into Spidey, just like having her be involved in the MU was just like felt natural. And then just like, and then, yeah, then the whole family thing happens. It's like, shit just gets heavy. And just like, her dad just tells her what she, kind of what she wants to hear. But it's like, it's a good thing. But, and yeah, like the finale is like, ah, it's a good one to just like fly off into space like that. It, w- it would be so sick. Yeah, really like it. I want to see where this prophecy goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a really cool setup. And I'm glad she has her own book. She deserves it. She's yeah, been a really real. good character for a lot of other people. Time for her to have her own. She was. Spotlight. She led the Avengers for a while. Why wouldn't she have her own book? Right, exactly. So, Also, I didn't mention the old lady who recognized her as Captain Oh, the Marvel. fan? That was awesome. <laughs> I know. I was kind of like, this feels weird. But then I'm like, no, it feels right. I like this, actually. So, <laughs> Great. All right, now we are going to find ourselves entangled in a dark web. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man number 15. Don't laugh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, written by Zeb Wells, penciled by Ed McGinnis, inked by Cliff Rathburn, colored by Marcio Meniz, and lettered by Joe Carr Magna. Um, so technically, we should probably read these in the other direction, the other order, but I don't really care. Um, we get to see how insane Inferno New York is, and I love it. I forgot how great it is. Like the stroller that tries to eat the baby and shit like that. It's so cool. I really enjoy it. And yeah, uh, seeing it from Spidey's perspective, there's the word I was looking for. Um, And again, I'm just reminded how awesome the chasm suit looks. I just got to give that a quick shout out. Yeah. And uh, it follows up with chasm and Norman where he just, you know, took Norman out and he calls Pete in. Pete goes to confront him. And who shows up but Venom, the original Venom, or not the original Venom, because he's still a good guy. He's an he's an antihero. He is the lethal protector. Yeah, that's the point of that. <laughs> um, but he still wants to see Spider Man's right. <laughs> so, um, I didn't know I missed that character <laughs> like until I read this issue, and I was like, he's fun. I don't want to permanent or anything like that. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm here for this. 
Like, I like a goofy Venom. As long as he's not full-on Deadpool, I like him. We get to see how Miss Marvel's going to tie into this, and she does get her own tie-in, which we'll get later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we get a quick perspective of that. Uh, Pete is able to defeat Venom, because he always is, um, which leads to Madeline Pryor being like, oh, we'll take him. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) So then Chasm shows up, and they are going to start their fight again. I really liked it. I love the art for this one. Is the first thing I'll just say. I loved the art in this issue. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, it popped. So really great stuff. What did you think? Um, I'm not a big Ed McGinnis fan, but it really, it it, it fit this this uh, story. Like it, Inferno 2, is just, it's just, it, it uh, works really well with uh, with McGinnis. Um, well, I want to say like, that we're, we kind of are talking about him in the order that, that uh, that's uh, labeled it. So it, it's fine. Um, I want to talk about the fucking go back to going back to Venom because I was also kind of apprehensive. I was like, oh, we're going back to mindless Venom, but we're not going all the all the way back. It's like I like that um, we established that it's Lethal Protector uh, Venom, and yeah, I I'm, I'm actually happy that I picked up the the recent Fabian he says is a Lethal Protector mini that came out because right. I I still have that voice in my head of like in, and back to those times. So was that on purpose? Probably. Um, <laughs> Plus, I, yeah, tying into the movies, you know, and fine tying into the movies, but but even then, like that was taking it taking it back back, so it's probably to set maybe help us set us up with this mentality here, yeah. And then Jay Jonah Jameson, the one I sent you, <laughs> witnessing a yellow cab ship an Uber, uh, and an actual Uber, not the not the driver, but an Uber <laughs> over a passenger. <laughs> I fucking love Inferno too. <laughs> it's ridiculous, dude. Like I love it. Um, I think the stroller was, well, no, actually my favorite we haven't talked about. That'll be in the next book. Let's get on to that. Oh, yes. Web X-Men number one. That would have had a good one, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, written by Gary Dugan. Art by Rob Reese. Letter by Corey Petit. Um, so the X-Men are also in New York when this is going on. And um, they transform the fucking Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center into a demon, which is just awesome. Uh, he the tree is very funny, but even the tree isn't the best one. I think it was in this one with the uh the construction site. It was yeah. in this, yeah. So, oh yeah, because I Iceman and Firestar were there. Um, where Firestar destroys two jackhammers that came to life, and one says, "Hey Jill, I love you," and the other says, "I love you too, Jack." And I realized their names are Jackhammer and Jill Hammer. Yep. And I had to put the comic down for and walk away because I was like, no, that's so dumb. I love it. (laughs) And the art is insane. It actually reminds me. I mean, it makes sense because it's, you know, who drew it. But it it does remind me so much of how Rod drew Warlock in the New Mutants run. Yes. And that's what I really like about it. It's like, we don't have to look realistic because this is an inherently stupid idea. And I love it. (laughs) So, um. Some of the X-Men go to Limbo, but they leave a few people behind, and they leave behind Firestar and Iceman, and then here comes Spider-Man, and then I'm like, I love this so much. Yep. And then they, they hammer it home in the best way possible, where they're <laughs> like, they keep being like, wow, look at the three of us, or what a weird team up. Hey, our powers don't really combine very well, do they? And I'm like, oh, I love it. Like, I just I just really enjoyed that. So, um, for those who don't know, they were amazing, uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So, yeah. Um, also, the the sleep demons are adorable. A little high five they do when they put the X Men to sleep. It's so funny. But yeah, <laughs> like, um, there's a lot of really great like panels. Like I love this shot of Firestar's face. I just oh, no, adore she looks that. Great right there. Yes, 
sometimes Rod Reese draws something that just looks nothing like anything else, and I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, so we kind of get what's going to happen that some of the X-Men are going to be in limbo. Um, some are going to be in New York fighting it and everything. But we get the best reveal of the week, which is Havoc dressed in the <laughs> Goblin Queen costume. <laughs> which I, I I just imagine Maddie putting that on and be like, make me dress like a fucking hooker. You're going to wear this shit when you wake up. Like, and I, I love that. And I love that they're like, that they're, that they're so like, just like fit that even like his pecs kind of come out like under her boobs. Like, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> also, the fact that he, um, He's wearing this basic, basically a bikini dress. Yeah. And he's defending her the entire time. <laughs> he's like wearing this dress that she put on him while he was asleep. And he's like, listen, you don't understand Maddie. Like, <laughs> I, I love Havoc. He's so ridiculous. He's like, no, I'm in love. I love her. <laughs> She's like, put this shit on. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so good. So great book. Loved it. Uh, no notes, except... I will say, what did you think? I got one thing to add at the end. Um, well, I just, I just love the part where like the amazing friends like get, get it together at the end, where it's just like, <laughs> where Iceman has like the Hannibal Burris, like you can't boo us, we were right. <laughs> like, and besides, you love when Tim Burton does shit like this, but not us. And the kid is like, I saw it eat Santa. <laughs> Fucking Spider Man, what does he say? Uh, we all saw a kid. Don't worry though, he's immune, and the X Men are gonna resurrect him in their Keebler house out uh, treehouse. <laughs> Yeah, true. Like, well, that happened. We should definitely never team up again. Very uncomplimentary power set. I fucking died in that part. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Marvel has made it canon that Santa is a mutant. In oh, totally. I fucking love that. So I love that. So, okay, the last thing I have to talk about is trademark Krakoa info pages. Uh, we get to we get to look in on the oh, X Men White damn. Elephant gift exchange, which is fantastic. Um. We're not going to go through them all because there's a lot. But the fact that, first of all, that both Havoc and Cyclops ended up with their own present is hilarious. They're so fucking boring. In- including the way Cyclops that says Cyclops was happy to end up with his own gift. A Band of Brothers 4K set of Blu-ray discs autographed by Tom Hanks. And I'm like, he would love that. Of course he would. He would. But no one else wanted it. <laughs> like, that's the best part. And it's like, the fact is, like, like, he's happy that he ended up with his own. He could have ended up with anything else, but it's like, no, but nobody nobody, fucking wanted a 4K set of that shit. So he was happy with it. But I love that Havoc is the same, just the opposite, where he didn't like the look of, of the team's choices and finagle um, to get his own gift as a year-round, uh, a year's worth round of coffee from the copies uh, around the world, uh, gift delivery. Fucking stupid. <laughs> My favorite part about it is if you look at the gift order, Cyclops opened last. <laughs> so I imagine there's one gift left wrapped. He knows what it is because he brought it. And he's like, I'm just going to take that one. <laughs> like he, he looks at everything else. He's like, I think I did the best job. <laughs> the chance to steal any of the best gifts. Like, honestly, I love that everybody, like that Firestar had the best gift. Like that cool ass yeah. fucking diamond. Like, that's such a dope rock. It sh- gift should be less than fifty dollars if purchased. It's like made of diamond. It wasn't purchased technically, so like yeah, I thought it was fun. That was a lot of fun. I would say that was the best info page of the week. However, moving on to our next book, Deadpool number two. Um. Oh, and uh, by the way, I got two covers. I ended up getting the Dotson cover. I thought about it. Yeah, I had to. So, anyways, Deadpool number two, Peach Momoko cover. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh. If you guys are fans of Deadpool, this is the time to jump on. This is a great book. Written by Alyssa Wong, art by Martin Kokolo, colored by Naraj Manon, and letter by Joe Sabino. I've said it before. 
I think Deadpool written by a woman is better than Deadpool written by a man. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to be sexist against either of them. I'm one of those genders, and the one I'm talking about is the one I'm downing a little bit. <laughs> I just think women understand the inherentness of Deadpool, unlike men. I don't know. So there's a story in this one, basically, that Deadpool was was in the last issue. This Assassin's Guild gave him a chance to join. He has to kill Doc Ock. He goes through the whole debriefing. He flirts with his with the person in in that uh, Valentine or Valentine. I bet it's Valentine. Knowing um, Valentine Vuong, who is, uses they them pronouns, so I'll, I'll refer to them as they them. Who is very very cute, by the way. And Deadpool immediately starts flirting with them. Um, it goes on the mission and attempts to kill Doctor Octopus, and things go wrong. He's injected with a Carnage symbiote, and there's a new Carnage growing inside of him. Oof. Lady Deathstrike shows up and stabs Doc Ock, and Deadpool's like, "What do you want? What are you doing here?" And she's like, uh, "Just not another word out of you. This is all your fault." He's like, "What? What do you mean?" She's like, "You're serious? You ghosted me. I'm your partner on this mission." And it cuts back to the debriefing where she's literally standing next to him the entire time, and he just completely forgot <laughs> and blanked her out. And she goes on this rant, and then we get the best info page of the week which is a text conversation between them where his, all his responses, most of his responses are the words, ooh, woo. And also a bunch of these, like the chibi text characters. Oh yes. Keep sending those to her. And she's just like, what is wrong with you? And then he stops responding and realizes he ghosted her. Uh, he, I legitimately forgot by the way. Uh, long story short, Deadpool has the symbiote inside. <laughs> He finds himself back at the apartment of Valentine, the the person from the Assassin's Guild. And he, he's like bleeding and he, he rings the bell and they answer the door and like Deadpool. And he goes, hey, Valentine, are you a heart attack? Because I think I'm having one. And passes out. <laughs> the best fucking pickup line I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so, um, And yeah, he he has the carnage growing in him, the new carnage. And that's kind of like the arc here. You can see like this ominous shadow Ooh, shit. over That's his cool. body. So he is officially rejected from the Assassin's Guild because he only had two days to do it. So we'll see. But Valentine's still helping him. So we'll see what's happening there. Which brings us to our last book of the week. God, this book just gets better and better. Legion of X number eight. Uh, I, I love Legion of X so much. Written by Cy Spurrier. Pitzelman Neto Diaz. Inked by Sean Parsons. Colored by Federico Blee. Letter by Clayton Cowles. Uh, first of all, they bring Chamber and Husk back together. As a boy who was raised on Generation X, mm-hmm. I was very happy to see that. And how Chamber's like, "Hey, maybe we should uh, go get you know go get a drink." And it's just like, no, things are bad. And then I love that, like most things, Doctor Nemesis ruins it, which is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're basically fighting this transformed version of Angel. And a couple different things happen throughout this. So I might go a little out of order. I just want to make sure I cover everything. Um, Nightcrawler starts acting very not Nightcrawler-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very interesting. We discover that uh, Jack, the daughter of the original Black Knight, who is also Black Knight now, is a mutant, has a mutant power. And I think we found that out in the original Black Knight run at the very end. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, yeah. Or but probably, we don't know. Was it a, was a, I think it was a tie-in, like a black. Oh, it was the it was, the, it was the death of Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Tie-in. 
Um, but we don't know what their power is. So, okay, that's fine. Well, guess what? We do find out what their power is. And it's kind of a twisted, like, reality-bending thing based on whims and based on uh, wishes, which uh, Pixie named, and I'm trying to find it right, Mythomancy, which is basically bringing into reality the beliefs of other people, essentially. And uh, that's kind of what's twisting everybody, which is really, really cool. And that opens a lot of possibilities for future power use, mm-hmm. just saying. Especially in something like the Black Knight, which is very Arthurian, you know what I mean? Like, oh no shit, yeah. There's a lot of cool shit that could come in from that. But anyways, there's another story in here about Xavier and Blindfold, where she's basically telling him, "Hey, Legion needs you. You need to be a fucking dad." Like, basically, is what happened. Um, which I, I really liked that. We also get to check in with Banshee, and I was kind of worried about Banshee being kind of a kind of a more of a bad guy bad guy but this more ties into like i'm trying to do the right thing you know what i mean like we're trying to do the right thing but also there's they brought forget me not back <laughs> no no and they just they just shit all over him the entire time in a great way because you find out that him and lost went on a date and she completely forgot about it because he's forget me not and he's like, are, are you serious? You forgot? And then later in the scene, she's like, excuse me, who are you? <laughs> she keeps being like, whoever this guy is. He's like, like that's got to be the most obnoxious thing ever. Like, would you mind staying back, sir? I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, everything does end up wrapping up with, um, with Nightcrawler and his team going to Germany and finding her and there she is margali the woman who raised him hmm. uh who is also the mother of day tripper uh the second magic that is oh, okay that was the next caliber also i love that they're in a cave in the middle of the woods a frozen cave and she has a van in the cave <laughs> like, yeah just, so i love this i it, lot lots of fun i i'm honestly the forget me not stuff might have been my favorite part of the book because it was just so funny. It, it is but, so fucking funny. But seeing Chamber and Huss together again is always nice. So, what did you think? Um, it's just it's such a great fucking book. Um, the the horn thing we'll, we'll we'll get to that eventually. Forget me not is great. The the banshee being um the spirit of variance was just like such a cool right. such a cool thing. So I'm also with the cool info page by the way yeah like very cool info. yeah I, for a second i thought it was gonna be an ad but then i realized like oh there's no this is, this is legit um yeah very cool because yeah you can just explore that you can just like I, i'm so curious where you can explore that because the ghostwriter mythos is just it's just insane uh, and such a powerhouse uh, of a power set to to get to anyone to just like um combine it with anything and like with fucking banshee that'd be hella yeah. sick but yeah, like uh, imagine imagine like a like a core of ghost riders with different purposes. Oh yeah. Almost, almost like green lanterns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with these ghosts of different things that start with V ghosts of virtue, you know, ghosts Ooh. of violence. Yeah. Like, you know, like that'd be cool as fuck. I would write the shit out of that book. <laughs> so yeah. I'd read Greatest it too, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, but for, but for all the, um, the blind spot and Xavier thing was just so, so fucking good. The, her clapping in with like, no, you, you motherfucker want to talk about control let's talk about control and just everything that Legion has been doing to just like to, yeah, just fucking hit on where it hurts. They're just like, 
it reads like you don't want to, dude. And it's just, how has it not been apparent that that's literally been it? That could have just been the whole book. That panel could have been the whole fucking book. It just see, it just it reads a lot like you don't want to with that head hanging low. Because, dude, it's been nothing but that. Like, I get it, Krakoa, everything, everyone. But there's that one person too, and he showed up for you. You didn't have to. There's a couple of mutants out there. I don't want to. I don't want to come yeah. over here. That I'm thinking about it. He came over for you and is doing great things for others because of you. And again, mm-hmm. it just reads a lot like you don't want to, Xavier. Fucking a, be a fucking father. Not only did Legion show up, yeah, Legion saved Krakoa, dude, <laughs> from onslaught. Like he saved Xavier's whole purpose and dream. Yeah. From Xavier technically. <laughs> like, like you think he'd be a little bit grateful for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, ridiculous. Instead of just like instead of just showing up like the one time being like, hey, cool clubhouse. That's it. That's basically what happened. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, those are the issues for this week. Um, not a lot, as I said, but December, we tend to have a couple light weeks, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the holiday. So I what else have you been reading? Um, not much. I honestly just, I mean, before I say just like nothing really, um, not, that's not true. Um, just, uh, cause we don't get to highlight it enough often, but, um, my hero right now on, on Shutter Nap has just been fucking crazy. Like it's, it's really hitting that, that end game stuff. So yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. It's making me worry because I'm like, I don't want it to end. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. this. I want to go back to some low, like low risk, my hero stories, like the early stuff where they're just having fun. The, the, more the, of that. The tournaments, like it, it, yeah. uh, my hero nailed tournament arcs. Yeah, they should have done more stuff like that before they got to the really serious stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, as for, as for myself, um, <sighs> I started reading. I'm glad my mom died, but Jeanette McCurdy. That's right. About three days ago, and I'm this far in, so <laughs> I'm almost done. Um, and it's devastating, yeah. It's a devastating book, but it's written with a dark sense of humor, too. Yeah, so it's not too much to read. I really enjoy it. I feel very bad for her. I just want to give her a hug the entire time. Um, almost done. I'm gonna make Liz read it because that I think makes, she'll really enjoy yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's very good. I highly recommend it. I see why it was so in demand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and why it took me months to get a hold of a copy. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm consuming it very quickly. Uh, very, very good book. Um, I also recently read The Death of Superman. Oh. Uh, because I went on Man of Steel. But I ended up reading it afterwards uh, because I bought a copy and forgot to read it beforehand because I was, I was handling the Funeral for a Friend arc is what it was. Uh-huh. Um, so I also read that. Um, which was really enjoyable. Uh, I, I did like it. It really focuses on the side characters, the human characters of, of Superman quite a bit, uh, which I always enjoy. I like the super ones. There's some that I had no idea who they were, and I learned a lot about and been like, that's really cool. I like that character. Um, like uh, like Bibby, which is a like Bostonian guy who owns a bar who looks up to Superman. He's the one that says Superman with two O's, Superman. Oh, okay. Um, He's great in this arc. He's fucking great, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun talking on um, Ministeel Pod with uh, Case and J. Mike about that. Um, I mean, it's like seven depressing issues, and we talked for two hours about them. So that can tell you how great <laughs> it was. Really, really good time. Uh, so make sure to check that out when it comes out. It should have come out by the end of the month. Um, 
But other than that, I don't think I've read very much. I did get DC's Universe Unlimited service, so we can now read DC books online as well. Sick. That's cool. So I have a feeling we're going to be reading some books. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to start. I've been thinking about rereading the Peter David run of Supergirl because Ooh. it's it's oh, such shit. a great book. That's cool. And yeah, and because Supergirl was in Funeral for a Friend, okay. but it's Supergirl I like the least. Okay. So I, it made me pine for this one, which is literally the next one. It's two years later. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, so I'm kind of like, hmm, I want to want to read that again. And there's a bunch of other stuff I want to read. And I did get the ultimate version, which does have all the Vertigo books we mentioned in the news. Before, That's dope. So, um, so yeah, we'll probably be reading a lot more. And maybe we'll start a book club. Who knows? We'll talk about it <laughs> the next year. 2023 so. is coming, coming up. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe. So we'll see. Um, yeah, other than that, I think that's it. I don't have any audiobooks because I'm out of credits. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I already finished Mort and that went by really quick. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's pretty much all I've been reading. Um, I expect to read some more uh, over the over the holidays. So I'm, I'm going to go up to Payson to see my family and I'm going to take a bunch of books with me. Because mm-hmm. when I go up there, I tend to read a lot because we just sit in the living room and watch TV and read. So nice. Yeah, but those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. You can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. Um, you can find this show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can find our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. This is our musical playlist building show where every other week on our episode, we have a random musical category. And we build a playlist, usually 12 to 15 tracks, depending on how many people are on the show, uh, about that category. It's a lot of fun. We always have a blast. We have guests. We have our our co-host Amanda on there with us. And it always ends up being quite a joy. Our most recent episode was Sample Size, where we added songs that were sampled by other artists. And if you like Drake, it's a Drake episode. (laughs) Um, No actual Drake songs were added, but... Yeah, it's great. It's oh, all thing. In well, the yours, end, five. <laughs> yeah, in the end, Drake was represented five of 12 times in a way. Uh, but it's really good. Our next episode, I'm very excited about because we're going down to the south. And we're going <laughs> to we're going to bust out some some guitars and we're going to get a mandolin. And uh, what else do country artists do? Sleep with their sisters. Uh, no, it's my God. Be- <laughs> You're just thinking it's <laughs> That's not my show. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about country music. I'm hyped because I like country music. Um, <laughs> some some country music. We're going to have... Uh, our plan is to have JD from Certain POV on, who is also a country music fan, so that should make it easier. Josue and Amanda do not like country music, so I'm very excited to see what they come up with. Not my fourth. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. So. Uh, so make sure to check that out. These episodes come out on Mondays. Every Monday when they do come out, Josue... Then does a listen party on Twitch later that evening at Hostway Plays Hostway, where he listens to music. He usually plays a bit of Mario Kart and um, just chats with the group. It's a lot of fun. We always have a blast. Uh, so, man, make sure to check that out. Now, before we move on, the last thing I want to mention is because this is a big deal on my end. Or not the last thing. I know what Hostway is not about, but not that. Um, we finished our D&D campaign. Oh, Nice. And we've been going for like two and a half years. We oh. went from level one to level 20. Damn. Um, so it's a big deal. And we're, we're going to start again at the end of the, at the next new year. Liz is going to DM so I get to play. Mm-hmm. 
But I have to tell you a quick story before I let you go, because yeah. it's a short episode anyways, and I love this story so much. Um, the story is, basically, for this D&D campaign, we have a detective agency set in the city of Sharn and Eberron. Um, however, this is not the first time that we did this story. We did this before. The only character to return is Liz's character, Krumpet Talendra Levenstar, a half-elf detective, okay. um, who Liz made because she hates elves okay. and grew to love him, by the way. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> so in the original run, I played a gnome bard. His name changed constantly because he wanted to change his stage name all the time. <laughs> Um, his name was Staccato, his name was Vibrato, and his name was Falsetto at different <laughs> moments. Um, he basically is the thing Liz hates most about d and can not I can't express how much Liz hates this character, okay? <laughs> she fucking hates this character. Uh, he's a gnome bard. He played her secretary, even though Krumpet couldn't stand him. It's just part of the story, so she's got to deal with it. And he was very much like, do you know Martin from The Simpsons? Yeah. Like the nerdy, the smart nerdy kid, the blonde? Yeah, yeah, You know that scene where he's jumping around Nelson, like singing about how they're best friends and Nelson <laughs> keeps taking swings at him missing? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. their relationship, essentially. So <laughs> that campaign only made it to about eighth level and it got retired. Well, we ended our campaign at 20th level and everybody from the detective agency ended up going back to their homelands, fulfilling their own destiny and stuff. And I wrote, thousands of words and the last campaign last campaign meeting was me just reading the ending to them basically mm-hmm. um and at the end krumpet needed to build a new team and so the first one that comes out is this war forge i made in the past and liz is like okay next one to come out is this changeling and liz is like okay and i'm like the last one comes out and it's literally i'm like the young gnome walked out and liz is like no and i'm like <laughs> A loot appeared from nowhere. She's like, God damn it. No, 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 no. And I'm like, he strummed a tune and began to sing. And, and it's like, it's so funny. I, I gotta read this. Even though this is me, what I wrote, not what I read, I have to read this to you guys because I'm too proud of it. Um, where are you? There you are. Um, so he, this is to give you an idea of how annoying Staccato is. I make him annoying, by the way. It's my fault. Um, he strummed the lute, or he walked in and goes, good morning, boss. <laughs> and Krumpet's like, he, go, he starts singing, and he spoke sang. He didn't just sing, he spoke sang. I want to make that clear. He said, it's a lovely day to solve a crime. It's a lovely day to make a dime. He did a little jig and continued. It's a lovely day for a lovely team and a lovely day to... And then he stumbled as he couldn't think of a rhyme quick enough. And Krumpet's just sitting there steaming. <laughs> and he's like, he mumbles to himself, make some cream. <laughs> like trying to figure it out. <laughs> and then a little girl busts in the door to tell them that her cat is missing. And the line that made Liz laugh was, the, go- the gnome gasped dramatically. He had no idea who this was, but it sounded like the kind of thing you gasped dramatically. <laughs> She's like, I fucking hate this character. Like we, we, got de- we got derailed for like 10 minutes. So I had to mention that because Liz is our producer. And I know it'll bother her that I bring up staccato vibrato falsetto once again because <laughs> he's just incredible. So little does she know what I'm playing in the next campaign. But anyways, <laughs> with that out of the way, I know I took you on a journey there. The last thing we need to do, please, 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 please go vote in the Remy's. Yes. Um, it's our end of the year awards. There's one for We Have Issues. There's one for Jukebox. Check them on their respective Twitters. Um, they're going to be the pinned tweet up top, top for the ballot. 
we pick the nominees, but you pick the winners. That's how it works. Um, very excited. Uh, we have a lot, a lot of replies for We Have Issues. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're getting quite a few for Jukebox. Not nearly as much, of course, because <laughs> it's harder to engage the musical fandom. Uh, but there are some fandoms that picked up on it, including um, a couple artists that re- retweeted us, like Destructo Disc, <laughs> uh, Michelle. And um, I regret to tell Josue that a certain Korean-based fandom might have found one of the polls. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> like, not that you care because you like that band, but it definitely can sway about <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see where that goes it just happened so i'm waiting to see the long-term effects of it mm-hmm. so but yeah make sure to vote there yeah, some of these are even in we have issues which has five digits of votes we have a tie right now for one oh of fuck somehow we have a tie that's awesome and there's another one that's only two votes apart Ooh. so it's still all up for grabs, and you have until the end of December. So mm-hmm. once again, check our Twitters for that, and then we'll tell you about how we're going to announce the winners. Uh, each show is going to be done a little differently. We'll talk about that at a later date. Okay, that's a lot of plugs. So don't forget to backboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with the new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and vote in the Remy's. of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, the fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.